Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout. My name is David and today I'm joined by uh, FBL General as we delve straight into some FBL team reveals. It's day two of the game being live. We've had a little bit of time to digest some of the prices and some of the changes of positions and just the whole uh, works of the game for the new season and we can start to have a look at our first drafts. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. How are you doing? Uh, how was how was yesterday for you? I imagine a lot of waiting around, uh, but at the very least, you've got a team now, so you must be in good spirits. Yeah, good to be back, David. Good to finally have the game. It was a very long day of press and refresh. I think I was doing it from about midday, so a good solid shift of about five hours waiting for the game to launch. Ended up in a WhatsApp conversation with somebody then for literally two minutes and missed the launch and ended up getting a... The ID wasn't as low as I hoped. I think I got like 2514 or something like that. Not that it matters too much, but yesterday it felt like life depended on it. But <laughs> yeah, very good to be back talking FPL, looking at new player prices and really looking forward to doing lots of videos with you this season as well. So looking looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, yeah, we should say that we will be uh, having a lot more of you on the channel uh, this year and uh, we can't reveal too many of the details yet because we've got a few, we've got dots some I's and cross some T's in terms of... Uh, what it's all going to look like, but we're very excited to, to have you around. Um, the ID is pretty good, actually, about 2,500. Mine was 5601, and I... You know, I got no excuse because I was sat there in a Zoom uh, with uh, Mark Jobling and Sam Bonfield ready to go live. And somehow I still missed it. I've no idea how. Um, my, my F5 key hasn't got any writing on it anymore. It's completely blank. How's your F5 key today? Yeah, that was um, that's what I was saying. The, the one day of the year you don't want to have a MacBook because F5, which I found out recently, when you press F5, it does not refresh your screen. It tries to do some kind of dictation or something. So it was manual clicking of a mouse for me. Uh, I had to recharge the the wireless mouse about three times yesterday because of that. So, yeah, thankfully back to enjoying the MacBook today, whereas yesterday wasn't much fun. So, in effect, what I'm, I'm hearing you say is that we have finally settled the uh, the Apple versus Windows uh, debate. Would you yeah, say all it comes down to 
FPLID has been the settler in that debate, I think. <laughs> a little bit like Messi finally winning the World Cup. We just we needed some big moment for him to just completely confirm it was him. There we go. We finally had the moment for the Apple versus uh, for PC. We'll uh, yeah. Well, hopefully we might get we might get an interview possibly even with a PC magazine about this this glorious victory. <laughs> um, but yeah, but enough of that for now. Enough of that for now. Let's jump straight into your team because it is very exciting to finally be building these. And I have to say, the first thing that jumps out here is it's another big name in the FPL community. We've got fantastic OR history as well, making me feel very happy because I don't have Mo Salah, and neither do you. So let's start there. Yeah, I think that's probably the big talking point, isn't it? In these very early days of of drafting the game at one teams, and I think overall, you know, I'm I agree, I'm kind of in, in agreement with most that I think you know price reveals on the Monday looked really promising. You know, Trent was a bit more expensive. Haaland got bumped to the fourteen, which we wanted, and then we were quite hopeful for kind of Tuesday and Wednesday's price reveals as well. But to me, they were a bit more disappointing. Uh, you know, a lot more cheaper players like the Arsenal guys and stuff like that. So. I think when you've got such an array of very good cheap options from you know the top five, six, seven teams, I much prefer spreading the cash around and having kind of a much better overall eleven rather than trying to shoehorn Salah in because Haaland for me is a must-have for the captaincy. Trent is a must-have as the best defender in the game for the last couple of years. And then when you've got the likes of Saka, you know, Rashford, Bruno, all of these guys at very you know, attainable prices. I think there's a very good chance I will go without Salah. Um, I was having a quick look at the the ownership percentages last night. Just it's always quite interesting to look at the ownership percentages on day one. I think Haaland was up at 79% already, um, even at 14 million. And Salah was at I think 25%. So again, that gives you an idea of what people are thinking. And yeah, I think it just comes down to player prices. Maybe fixtures slightly come into that as well, but yeah, I think it's unlikely that Salah will be in my game at one squad. And that's probably for the first time in four or five seasons. He's very often been a, a captain in game week one, not just uh just a not just a pick. Yeah, it's, it it feels it feels wrong and right in so many ways. Perhaps a bit like maybe, you know, the beginning of a new relationship or something like that, where it's like feels weird not to be with that other person but actually it also feels very right that I'm not with that other person anymore uh for example because this the the the, the landscape has shifted you know that we're in this position where Haaland is so dominant with that ownership and just to update um you know the the numbers you know it's 82.7% ownership for Haaland now it's just nuts and Salah is still around the same level he's 26.2% I mean to have a 60% gap at this stage and I was just saying with Sam earlier as well it's kind of like you know, the the ownership at this point in time is actually probably better to read into that now than you would want to do it maybe a couple of days before game week one because that's when people like my dad join in and it's like they're just going to pick all the wrong players. So um, right now it's really the engaged managers that are in and and yeah it's it's and it probably tracks to be honest with what I'm seeing on social media whether that be Instagram, Twitter, or the brand new threads which is also here as well. I've seen some teams on there as well. I've already had people asking me for my opinion on their team on there. So twas ever thus, but you know I'm probably seeing Salah in about one in five teams. So um yeah and you make a good point on the captaincy as well you know there's effectively only one game week you'd captain him in in the first six right and that's probably Bournemouth game week two yeah and it's it doesn't feel good not to have him for Bournemouth game week two when he could well be captain because Haaland plays Newcastle that week off the top of my head so you know not a great fixture on paper but it is Haaland so I think captaining him against Newcastle it's it's never going to be a terrible idea but I think not having him game week one Game week two will be 
you know, you might be a little bit fearful. But I think if most people are going to go the same route and not pick him in game week one, they're not going to be able to transfer him in in game week two either because, I mean, there's no other, you know, midfielders around his price tag. Um, it's not an easy switch. It's probably two transfers unless you leave a lot of cash in the bank game week one, which, you know, most people don't tend to do. So, yeah, I think if you if you decide that spreading the cash around your squad is better, then I think you just make your bed with no Salah and you just don't watch the Liverpool game in game week two. <laughs> and maybe maybe hope they win 9-0 again and he doesn't doesn't get anything. I mean, that's the thing. He's absolutely capable of uh, trolling us like that as well, to be fair. I mean, I think we both sat here probably fairly confident that he is going to do well game week two, but it's all just about what it means for the rest of your team, to be honest. And, you know, you've, you've got Trent as well, who, I mean, in effect, you could argue is a Liverpool midfielder in, a, in and of his own right these days. So, you know, you've got some coverage there. Um, and I suppose... I mean, the the way I see it, I kind of anticipate Salah having a fairly decent game week one. And then, dare I say it, the more casual managers, so those that perhaps would panic in a world where Salah maybe gets 10 points or something in game week one, very much could be breaking their team in game week two to get him in and then captaining him, which actually may even help those of us who, who don't go anywhere near him because we, we we're gonna to get him in when you don't have him is going to be a nightmare. So we're going to see hits all over the place. You know, you... Banking the transfer maybe for game week two, play that in game week three. You know, the the opportunity for being able to get one over the people that maybe will try to get Salah in when you've got quite a good structure here perhaps will benefit as you as well, do you think? Yeah, I just think that's the way I've always played the game. It's kind of taking a long-term approach, the patient approach. And I do always try and bank that transfer in game week two if possible. You know, it's nice to get the game week three with two frees, two game weeks worth of information is a lot more than just one. And I think you mentioned the kind of less engaged, more casual managers there. You know, if Salah does have a good game week one, a lot of those managers might even just play a panic and play a wild card in game week two. Uh, and again, that's what we want to see because if people are wild card in game week two, chances are over the long term, you're going to come out better than those when you play your wild card, you know, down the line with a lot more information. So, yeah. Again, I'm not going to say I'm definitely not going to have him. And it'll only take a couple of things in pre-season or an injury here, an injury there to to change things. Um, but yeah, at the moment, probably no Salah and probably no Kane either if he does stay at Tottenham. Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting um, this year, the way that the prices have come in, because it does actually really force us to make some of those decisions. I mean, I, I went into game week one last year. I had Kane, Salah and Haaland. And I'm pretty sure I had Trent as well. Um, and it didn't feel like a really terrible team. Whereas now, if you were to try and get those guys in, it's it's not looking particularly good elsewhere. And you have got a really healthy looking midfield. So let's let's have a look at some of the guys there. Um, Son and Fernandez are your most expensive. You've got a nine million. Oh, sorry, Son, Fernandez, and, and, and Saka. So you've got one nine million, two eight point fives. Do you feel quite happy in three five two with lots of uh, beefed up midfielders there? Yeah, I think as the price has filtered through over the last couple of days, to me, it was just initial gut instinct. There's loads and loads of really good midfielders and there's not a huge amount of strikers that scream out to me in game week one. Um, I think it's quite odd in FPL nowadays compared to years ago. When you look at the FPL forwards, you know, you've got Haaland and you've got Kane. And then you've got nobody until 8 million and below, which is which is quite bizarre. Um, when you think back to some of the strikers that we've had in the game over the years, the strikers have kind of been dying off slowly. And again, you know, I just, I really like the 3-5-2 formation. You know, we, we always say the midfielders to get the clean sheet point, to get the extra point for the goal over the forwards anyway. So I think it is logical to to have as many midfielders as possible. And when there is so many that I like, there's probably, there could be 10 to 15 midfielders 
that are very much in my thoughts for game week one. Um, I feel like I'll be jumping around quite a few of those in terms of fixtures over the season. So I like having five spots rather than just four. Um, for that, I don't think I'll have a 4.5 million Harrison Reed this season like I did last year. Um, unless unless someone like a George Boyd emerges in, in pre-season, which is probably unlikely. So, yeah, initial picks there. Saka, to me, underpriced. I was surprised he was only 8.5. I think he would have been in my game at one team, even if he was 9, possibly even 9.5. He was very, very good to me last season. Uh, such a good player, playing for a great team, good fixtures and penalties as well. Um, I'm a sucker for penalty takers. There wasn't too many in the league last season, but I don't think that bias is going to change in me. Bruno Fernandes is there as well, but I think if I had 0.5 more, I would like Rashford. I think Rashford is the pick from the Manchester United midfield, but a lot of people will probably find themselves in that scenario. You're 0.5 million short. And if you are, I think Bruno, again, this guy used to be 12 million. We know what he's capable of. Penalties, 8.5. I think it's going to be intriguing to see how Bruno versus Rashford plays out over the season. Could be very close. One could, you know, blow the other out of the water. We just don't really know how, you know, Mason Mount's going to affect Bruno's position and stuff like that. So Rashford is my preference, but because of budget reasons here, Bruno Fernandes goes in as a perfectly viable alternative. Youngman's son is kind of a... A personal pick, my little boy who was born this year is called Sonny. So <laughs> I'm I'm more likely to pick Son maybe than other managers. But not just that. I love the guy. He's been one of my favorite players in FPL over the seasons. Also, I'm a Celtic fan, big fan of Postagoglu. Hopefully he does well at Tottenham. And if if Kane does stay, I'm not going to be able to afford him if I go Trent and Haaland. So I kind of like having a piece of the Tottenham attack and a human son that's three million cheaper than last season, injury free. I think he had that hernia issue. New manager, hopefully a new lease of life. I think he could be very good value at nine million. Again, not a not a sure pick for game week one, but again, a nice price point that you can jump around to other options if Tottenham don't start the season well. And then there's a couple of cheaper guys. It's Matoma again. Good times with him last season. I still think he's kindly priced at six point five. And that Luton game, game week one, is a very attractive fixture. So I like the idea of starting with Matoma and then maybe jumping to somewhere else when maybe the fixtures turn a little bit more nasty for, for Brighton. And then Mbumo, who I think is in, I'm seeing him in a lot of drafts. People are very excited about his reclassification. He had a good season last season. I honestly don't feel the love massively for him. And I think I've been burned by him a couple of times in the past. I probably need to shake that off. Um, because I think it's 6.5, possibly out of position, possibly on penalties. Brentford have established themselves on the league side. So I, at the moment, Mbumo to me feels like the position in my team where game week one last season it was Bailey or Neto. And I didn't really want either, but it was the final piece. So I, I liked every other spot in my team. I had 5.5 million left to spend and I had to pick one of them. So this season, that might be the case. I might be happy with the rest of my team. I might have 6.5 left for a midfielder and then Bumo might go in there, even though I don't feel fantastic about it. So that one, that one's certainly a spot that's up for grabs. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I think I've seen Bumo in just pretty much everybody's teams. It's kind of hard to turn down 
what feels good on paper, if not necessarily good in your heart. Um, and what's really interesting here is I think you you set up quite well in terms of making sure you've got a lot of different price points um, to be able to move to different players throughout the season. You know, you could get to Chelsea midfielders here relatively easy. We'll talk about your forward line in a minute because obviously you've got Nkunku. But, you know, there's there's ways you can jump around here. I think it's quite interesting that you've got a lot of uh, 50-50s or... Um, you know, other decisions you could make in terms of like Fernandez versus Rashford. So you can, you know, your placeholder is quite nice there. You know, Matoma. Um, well, tell you what, let's get your thoughts on the other Brighton midfielders. And we'll, and we'll talk about Arsenal because it's a similar situation there as well. We've got lots of attractive players all at the similar prices. Matoma, uh, March and Gross are the three that I think everybody is sort of looking at. Uh, personally, I've gone for Gross, but I, I may end up with one of the other two. Um, may end up having to roll a dice for it, potentially. Uh, how uh, open are you to being convinced of maybe going for one of the other Brighton guys at that price? Because I think we all agree their fixtures are very nice first three. Yeah, I'm very, very open-minded. I think it's it's important, especially for a new manager at FPL, you know, don't lock a team in this week or next week. You've got to be open-minded right up till a game at one deadline. And I'm not going to get tunnel-visioned into Matoma just because he was good for me last season. I'll do a bit more digging. I'll keep an eye on preseason. Uh, very interesting now that McAllister's gone. You know, Pascal Gross could be the penalty taker. We know he's got a good a good record. He's taken them before. So, uh, Solly March, I had him for large chunks of, of the second half of last season as well. But I just think, for me, it comes down to the calibre of player. Uh, who do I think is the best player when you take FPL out of it? I think Matoma is, is a class act uh, and just a very fun player to watch. So, he's winning the race at the moment, but certainly... Pascal Gross, Solly March. Uh, again, if I seen them in Game Week One teams, I wouldn't be telling anyone to take them out for for Matoma. Nice, yeah. And I suppose we got preseason as well, so we can have a view of of how they're going to play without McAllister and who's going to take those penalties as, as well. Preseason will probably also be very helpful for Arsenal as well. So you've already talked about how much uh, Saka meant to you. I mean, you've even gone as far as to say if he was nine point five, he'd probably still be there. When uh, Martinelli is eight million and Odegaard is eight point five, uh, Jesus also is eight million. And Havertz is 7-5, and I'm not by any stretch suggesting you should have him, but I'm sort of making a bit of a point that, to everybody, don't rule him out. Could have a good campaign. You know, there's lots of options, in effect, at Arsenal. And last season, we were all in the difficult position of, oh, I need probably two, maybe three Arsenal attackers. There's so many to choose from. I need to have the right ones. And a lot of weeks we got burned because we had the wrong ones, and then we'd switch, and then we'd, then we'd end up with the wrong ones again because we switched at the wrong time. Lots of difficult decisions to make there. Um, what What's your thoughts on, on Martinelli, Odegaard, uh, and I suppose Jesus, which maybe would involve a change of shape for you. But, you know, there's lots of other options. Do, is there anything they can do in pre-season to change your mind on Saka? Yeah, Arsenal was tricky at times last season. I think it's just going to be even trickier this year with with Havertz thrown into the mix, who, who I, didn't, I still believe there's a player in there and hopefully we'll see it at Arsenal. And if we do see it, I think that's going to make things tricky for us in terms of, I think, Martinelli in particular. But again, maybe we'll just see a bit more rotation for even the likes of Saka and Odegaard, you know, with a few more options, you know, a bigger squad, more options to choose from. Maybe they'll just get a little bit more protection in terms of their minutes for for Europe and stuff like that. So Odegaard's unbelievable season, outscored Saka last year, expect him to kick on and have another very good season. Such a good player. Um, I do rate Saka and Odegaard pretty equally, but it's probably the penalty factor again that probably ticks in in, in Saka's favour for me. Gabriel Jesus, I didn't really consider him when I put this first draft together, but the more I think about it, 
the more I like him as an option because I've got Nkunku in there. I don't usually go for new players to the league. I did make an exception for Mr. Haaland last year, which which worked out pretty well. Nkunku's coming with, you know, bags of potential, um, some really good performances for his, for his former club in Europe and stuff like that. And a lot of people are talking very, very highly of him. You know, I will admit I don't watch much other than Premier League, so I haven't seen much of Nkunku. So I need to... I might end up rolling the running the eye test over myself in the first couple of game weeks rather than going for him in game week one. So the Nkunku spot is probably a placeholder for a 7.5 or an 8 million forward. And Gabriel Jesus does fall into that category. And again, if we're talking about price points, which I do like in game week one, it probably makes more sense to go for an 8 million striker than a 7.5 if I can manage it. If I get Jesus and it doesn't work out, you can then drop down to an Nkunku. You know, it's much harder to go the other way after a couple of game weeks. So Jesus certainly, I think I remember when he was, his price got announced in game week one last season, wasn't his ownership up at like 70 or 80%. Um, yeah, so the question is why, why is his ownership not the same this season when he's basically the same price? Um, is it because he, you know, missed a large chunk of last season? We've kind of forgot about him as an SPL prospect. The midfielders did really well, but I think, I think Jesus' ownership is probably about 25 to 30% now. And I, I think that will probably grow as we get closer to the season, especially if he bangs in a few in preseason. Um, I think he's a great placeholder up front, even if you're not going to keep him long term. So there's a very good chance that Nkunku could become Jesus in my team before before kickoff. Yeah, I think, well, just to answer your question on um, why is Jesus' ownership much lower, I, I think that it's, I think it's the injury and, and those other players sort of putting a, putting the blinkers on people a little bit. Um, you know, I suppose him being a forward sometimes makes people rule him out from a sort of, oh, the midfielders will, will do better sort of perspective. And, you know, we have to say that the Arsenal midfielders are probably still priced quite kindly versus what we think they can achieve this year. You know, you've obviously said you'd pay even more for Saka if, if, if you had to. So that might be a part of it. Um, and then, I, I mean, I suppose one thing that people do sometimes at the start of the season, you know, it's not just engaged managers. There, were, there are others as well that will just sort of pick um, players based on how many points they scored last season. And yeah, so 125 points for him, which was the um, seventh highest among forwards. But yeah, I mean, that that would have been much higher if he'd played the whole campaign, uh, to be honest. And yeah, I mean, for me, I've, I've actually got Jesus and Martinelli because I just think that those first few fixtures for Arsenal were so good. I mean, they've got Nottingham Forest at home game with one. Forest famously last te- last season's worst team away from home. Arsenal scored a lot of goals at the Emirates as well. So I think the doubling up there is a good place to start. And then, of course, uh, we've got some fixture swings for Spurs in game week three. We've got some fixture swings for Chelsea in game week three. Could be a good time to move off. And you've, you've clearly built your squad to maybe do that, um, you know, potentially. Let's talk about Chelsea in a bit more detail then because um, there is a lot of interest in their players at those prices. I, I am in, I'm intrigued by you having Nkunku. It sounds like it's more to do with the price point. Um, I share your enthusiasm for him. I did the scout report video on him um, a couple of weeks ago now, so shameless little plug for that if you've not checked that out already and you want some more information on the, the way that he plays and how he can fit into the Chelsea team, then do go check that out either on YouTube or on a podcast platform. And I, I'm making that, vi- that video, I was like, this guy's going to be great. And I, and I can't wait for his price to come in. And I want him to be a midfielder because it sounds like that's where his best position is and where he's likely going to play at Chelsea. But because he had played uh, as a sort of, not a false nine, but he was a kind of makeshift number nine at his previous club for a lot of last campaign, that has what I think has triggered this forward classification, which is 
disappointing for me personally because I, 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 if he was a midfielder, I think he'd be straight in at, even at that price, 0.5 more than Sterling for me. So I've gone with Sterling because I've got Haaland and Jesus. Um, we clearly both feel like there's something there for Chelsea. Um, yeah, yeah. Just I mean, Nkunku you got for now, but would you be interested in Sterling or a Mudrick or you haven't got any Chelsea defenders? And we'll talk about your defence in a bit, but are you anticipating investing in them this year? Like most FPL managers, especially the managers that are online these days in early July, I'm very, very excited by Chelsea FPL wise under Pochettino. You know, they were useless to us last year, but this season could be completely different. They could all turn out to be underpriced. I mean, Sterling, who you mentioned, again, once a 12 million FPL asset, he's now 5 million. You get a 5 million discount on what he was back in his heyday. He's still only you know, 28, 29 years old. He's, he's still got the potential to have more big Premier League seasons. And I certainly hope he does under, under Pochettino. So it's a funny one. I've got Nkunku in my first draft. And I think I could have zero, anything from zero Chelsea players to three Chelsea players in my game week one squad. And I think I don't tend to put too much weight on preseason games, but I definitely want to watch a few Chelsea ones this season. Who's getting the minutes? Who's looking good? Who's Pochettino using? Because like you said, Sterling, you know, if Nkunku comes out of my team, which I think there's a good chance he will for someone like maybe like a Watkins or a Jesus, then I think Sterling could come in. Um, Again, just it's the price point. It reminds me of Rashford last season. Sometimes you just see a player's price and you think that's too low not to take a gamble. Um, You can gamble if it doesn't work out. It's not a big deal. There's plenty of other options out there. Chelsea's opening fixtures are pretty good also. So Sterling is certainly high on my on my list as well. Um Mudrick, not so much. You know, I just need to see him kind of prove himself in the prove himself in the Premier League first of all before I go there. I'd rather take the proven Premier League asset that is Sterling before before him. Uh, but again, what is he, six point five? That that could be That's that right, could be yeah. another very, very cheap asset. And defensively, I don't have because I'm a very safe uh historically a very safe boring FPL manager, mm-hmm. I, I haven't I can't bring myself just yet to put Reese James or Chilwell in my first draft, but I think when we get to draft four or five, as we get towards the end of July and the start of August, those guys will start to appear because we know how potentially good they are when they're on the pitch and a 5.5 million, very, very attractive options. And again, going back to price points, which I've mentioned a few times, I've got Trent, I've got Gabriel and the Stupinen. I would probably like to have a 5.5 million price point in there rather than two 5 million options. So maybe one of Gabriel or a Stupin might come out for a Chilwell or a Reese James. But I think the manager that I am most likely is more like a safer Luke Shaw, possibly with a view to getting James or Chilwell later. But absolutely, I think I, I can already see it. All, Friday, August 11th, I'll be sitting there. I'll have my team ready. And there'll be a little devil on one shoulder <laughs> called Reese James, and there'll be another devil on my other shoulder called Ben Chilwell, and they'll both be saying, "Mark, come on, have a bit of fun." <laughs> so uh, it's going to be interesting to see where I where I end up. Yeah, I'm 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 really not looking forward to those devils landed on my shoulder either. I could do with uh, an angel in the form of uh, a stupid man or Luke Shaw to uh, to come and plead their case as well. I, I'm hoping that I can put those devils off till game week three because I'm just going to put uh, the uh, fixtures uh, on the screen now for just, well, just everybody. This is the season ticker. If you're not already a fantasy football scout member, do go and, and sign up and you can access this tool in its full uh, glorious levels of interactivity. And so just looking at, I'm gonna, actually going to throw Spurs in here as well because I think game week 
three is is a bit of a swing for the mini wildcard. So Spurs start off with Brentford and Man United uh, in their first two and then go Bournemouth, Burnley, Sheffield United in the next three. Chelsea, Liverpool and West Ham in the first two, which could be quite nice for attacking returns, but maybe less attractive or appealing for Chilwell or James. But then Luton at home, Forest at home, Bournemouth away, Villa at home. That's when it looks really, really tasty for uh, Chelsea defence in particular, but also the attack. Um, maybe a 5.5 for the first couple is the way to get, you know, you can turn around to that devil of Reese James on your shoulder and, and offer him some sort of deal uh, of like, look, just give me two weeks and I'll see you in game week three. What do you reckon? Yeah. And again, I'm just kind of thinking something just popped into my head there as well, looking at the prices yesterday. I think Malo Gusto, the new Chelsea signing, who is a right back, if, I, if I'm if i right, I think he's, he came in at only 4 million. So you could even do the ultimate uh, safety net and, and get Reese James and Malo Gusto. Um, oh, wow. and, and if James does miss out in games, you could get a... This is my daily fantasy hat thinking here now because in some games I play, that's an attractive strategy. But again, probably not a good idea because you're blocking a, a viable spot with Gusto for a Chelsea attacker or a second defender or something like that. But yeah, um, as you say, fixtures, first two game weeks, don't scream clean sheets. So again... Looking at my team here, I like the idea of changing Gabriel or Stupin into a 5.5 with better fixtures than Chelsea's for the first two, or else, you know, leaving 0.5 in the bank and then making the switch when those fixtures do improve. So, yeah, at this moment in time, it's probably uh, maybe give Chelsea a watch and brief for the first game week or two in terms of the defenders, and then maybe look to switch to target those that run of three very tasty fixtures. I was just having a look at uh, Malagusto as well because, uh, yeah, the the way things are at the moment, it's so chaotic that I'm sort of like learning things and discovering things and Googling things like while I'm making videos and podcasts. It's always good to have somebody else to just carry <laughs> carry the show for a couple of seconds, me to have a look at someone myself. Yeah, I, I had, I'd missed that. There's just so much going on, everything flying around, so much chaos. I'd missed this signing in, in Malagusto right back, as you say. Yeah, that could be that could be quite tasty. Well, seeing as we're talking about four million defenders, let's let's jump into your defence now because uh, you do um, have one of them in uh, Jordan Bayer or Beckon Bayer, as the Burnley fans call him, because he is a bit of a, a modern day centre back. Very exciting to watch. Uh, so we've got at least one starting four million defender in your team. Or we well, we assume he's going to be starting because he is quite integral to that Burnley team. Um, and then you've got Botman on your bench as well, Estupinian, Gabriel, and Alexander Arnold. So we've talked about some of those more expensive price points. Let's talk about the cheaper ones um botman is actually a really interesting uh signing because not a lot of people have gone that way just yet but whenever i've seen people talk about them i've sort of said to people he could come in later you know is that some advanced planning because newcastle's fixtures take a while to get a bit nicer yeah i just i just feel like it's not even really a fixtures pick botman i just feel like he's a bit of a no-brainer at 4.5 i i was extremely surprised that a champions league Defender came in at 4.5. Um, you know, if we had, a, you know, an Arsenal uh, at City or a Manchester United defender at 4.5, they'd be straight in. So I think we need to view the Newcastle guys kind of in a similar similar bracket. And he's not someone I'll probably start very often. He'll, in a 3-5-2 formation, I think he's perfect as a first sub because, you know, I'm looking at him in my team there. First sub, game week one, home to Aston Villa. Is there a chance of a clean sheet? Yes, maybe not a huge chance, but... He could come in and get you a six-pointer or a seven-pointer, you know, if someone misses out. So, again, I've tried to pick as many players here that I think my initial gut feeling is that they're underpriced. Gabriel's one, Botman's one, uh, and that's why that's why Botman's in there. And, again, when 
Newcastle's fixtures are good, you know, let's say and a Stupinen has a tricky fixture, then maybe I would bench a Stupin in some weeks and play Botman if he's got a you know a very good home fixture against a promoted team or something like that. So um yeah, Botman 4.5. I think he's he, he could just could be exceptional value uh, if he turns out clean sheets and hopefully he can add a goal or two. I don't think he got any last season, but he is a big threat when he's in the box. Uh, I think he picked up a couple of assists, but if he can get a goal or two to add to the clean sheets and and, uh, and the bonus points, he could be the best value 4.5 in the game. So I think there's a very good chance he'll he'll stay there from from a first draft. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally take that point, actually. I'd never thought of it that way. He is a Champions League defender of 4.5 who is, you know, in, in a defence that did do very well, at least in the first half of last season. So, you know, basing your team around underpriced players is, is probably a way to make sure you can cram in as much talent um, as possible. You, you've obviously got Bayer as well. Have you looked at Bell? And I think Baldock is the other one who's sort of emerging as a possible... Uh, well, we've had starting 4 million Sheffield United defenders before. Could the pass repeat itself? Um, any any thoughts there over who you might feel like you'll end up with? I think you're almost certainly going to end up with at least one 4 million, right? Yeah, and I haven't ruled out having two, possibly. But again, I just think if I can find the 0.5 for Botman, I'll, I'll keep him because he's a very good squad player to have um, because there will be weeks where you need an auto-solve and I'd much prefer to have a Botman in any fixture coming off my bench than a, you know, a 4 million against even even a, even a good fixture. So, yeah, I think just got instinct. Bayer should get plenty of minutes for Burnley. He should be first choice. I like Vincent, Vincent Company. I hope he does well with Burnley. I think, to me, if I'm going to back if I could only back one of the promoted teams to stay up, I'd probably say Burnley at this point. So I probably will lead towards Bayer instead of Bell at Luton or Baldock at Sheffield United. But I think all three should be absolutely fine. And it shouldn't be overly important which one you pick because it's probably a second sub or a third sub. I, I probably avoid trying to set up having a four million as your first sub because if you do that you're probably not expecting much from your from your auto sub points and I mean auto sub points are important you know over the season you might only get 15 20 25 points from your auto subs but you want to try and get 20 or 25 points rather than you know eight nine ten points from a from a four million defender so yeah I think I'll pay the extra for Botman as my first sub buyer will probably stay there because I fancy Burnley to put up a good fight and stay in the league. Uh, but again, at the moment, Bell and Baldock look absolutely fine as well. Yeah, fingers crossed it doesn't make too much difference who people go for, uh, for sure. And you make a good point about what you expect from your bench. Um, but before we move on to your goalkeepers, I do just want to, uh, to be perfectly honest, discover who Plonge even is because it kind of sounds like a dessert that your aunt made that one time that you didn't really like and wouldn't really want to have again. Um, he's a forward at Crystal Palace and he costs uh, 4.5 million. Any any insider knowledge of the Crystal Palace inner workings or is he just the uh, the funniest name you could find in that price point in that position? Yeah, funniest name. This is actually another personal pick because I, I think it might have been, I don't know if it was last season or the season before. It probably was last season. Um Plange was my 4.5 striker in game week one. So I feel very, oh, wow. very loyal. I feel very loyal to the guy. <laughs> Look, Plange, I'm totally invested in his Premier League career. Um, <laughs> obviously, had a quiet season last season. I think what happened was he was in my game week one team and then he went out on loan at the end of August. Um, yeah, I probably know more about Luke Plans than, than anyone else does. Um, but yeah, just for nostalgic reasons, if I go for a four million, four point five million striker, which is very likely, if it doesn't look like any of them are going to get minutes, then I'll just go for the guy that I had last season, and and keep the faith. 
Uh, and you never know, maybe this will be his season. I, I actually had a mini league last season called Take the Plunge. So I'm going to have to probably <laughs> uh, set that league up again and, and go again for a second season. So yeah, it's just a, a personal pick. But again, I'll when we get closer to the season, I'll see if there's any 4.5 million strikers who, if they're going to get more minutes in Plunge, obviously I'll make the switch to, to one of those guys. I absolutely love that. That is possibly one of my favourite puns in pre-season so far. It's up there with a lot of people have Flecken. And uh, yesterday on the stream that we had, I invited everybody to come up with their best name for what our bandwagon would be. And we had the Flecken Flight Train, the Flecken Flight Crew. And then Mark came up with the Fleck Republic, which I was, that was my favorite one. But I like that. take the plunge. That's, I like that. Um, and I'm just, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you on your toes here. You say you know more about this guy than anybody else. I've I'm, just gonna regret him. I'm definitely going to regret saying I've just that. Googled him and let's see, let's see how well you do know him. Um, he it's me it's me it's me who updates his wikipedia page <laughs> yeah. oh yeah it says yeah moderator fpl general right there um he has been on loan to three different clubs from crystal palace can you name one of them ah uh, you're i i was i knew i was going to regret saying that <laughs> i really don't know as much as i as i made out to but um after this video i'm going to make it a point to find out everything about him his family his childhood everything <laughs> and next time we speak I'll have a, a dossier on the plans for you. I love that. We're gonna have a plan. We're gonna have a plan to watch. We're gonna, as I said, we're gonna have you on a lot more videos this year. We're gonna every week. We're gonna have another chapter in the story of uh, of Luke Plange. I will. I will give you one of those three in case I don't want to spoil it for the listeners and and the and the viewers. Uh, one of the teams he was on loan to last season was Lincoln City. So that's the that's the imps up at Central right. Bank. Yeah. So, hopefully, uh, hopefully he does go out on loan again this season. We can. We will do a plans watch maybe once a month. Check in, see how he's getting on. Um, see if he's banging in the goals and if he is banging in the goals we'll get on the phone to Roy Hodgson to get him back and, and get him in the team we'll be on the phone to Roy asking him to take the planche that's what we'll be asking him to <laughs> exactly <laughs> well we promised him to talk about your goalkeeper so let's uh, let's jump there uh, we've got Pickford and Ariola are your two shot stoppers um, do they rotate particularly well I mean I, I haven't really had a chance to look at too many rotations myself because I've just I've joined the Fleck Republic we've we've distanced ourselves from Fleckoslovakia and we joined the Fleck Republic and so I haven't really looked at any rotations outside of him so what's the thinking with these guys the goalkeeper position is a position I haven't really looked at too much detail yet. Basically, before any prices were released, in my mind, it was right this season. I'm going to go with my usual strategy of a 4.5 keeper who I start every week and you know don't change him until the first wild card, and then just have a 4 million on the bench who's just a dead asset. So these are basically placeholders at the moment. Pickford, I think, probably is one of the better 4.5 options on paper this season. Ariola is an interesting one because it's a little bit unclear uh, from what I understand what's happening at West Ham. You know, is Fabianski going to stick around? Is Ariola going to finally take over as number one? Because if he does, he's only four million in FPL, and if that happens, we're going to have a, a Danny Ward situation where we've got a four million goalkeeper. But I think it's safe to say Ariola, in my mind at least, is a is a better goalkeeper than Danny Ward, and we should get actually get some FPL points from him <laughs> if we go with him in game week one. Um, apologies to Danny Ward if you're watching, but you know you did put us through a lot of pain in those early game weeks last season. So West Ham is an interesting one because Fabianski is 4.5 and Ariel is 4.0. So even if Fabianski does stay, you could just go for both of them. And even if that you know does flip flop during the season, you've got yourself a four million starting goalkeeper. But when the rest of the goalkeeper prices came out, I was very surprised to see Ramsdale at five million. So I thought he could have been 5.5 with Allison Ederson and Nick Pope. So I'm talking about possibly losing a 5 million defender and getting a 5.5 million price point. So I could lose Gabriel 
for a Shaw, a Chilwell or a James. And I could, instead of Pickford, I could go for Ramsdale as a set and forget goalkeeper. Could even double up on the Arsenal defence, which I think is perfectly viable with the fixtures also. So I think Ramsdale is the standout goalkeeper for game week one because of his price and who he plays for. Yeah, just going to go through those Arsenal fixtures again, actually, because they are uh, very much in the top end of the of the fixture ticker when you sort by defence. So it's Forest at home, game week one, Palace away, game week two, Fulham at home, game week three, United at home, game week four, Everton away, game week five, and Spurs at home, game week six. So four of those look clean sheet worthy. And then four and six, whether at home to United and Spurs, probably expect them to probably concede in those games, but they're playing two teams that like attacking football and therefore you could see quite a lot of saves. And so you are going to be probably getting you bang for your buck um five million is actually a great price to pay for a goalkeeper because Ramsdale is, is is a good shot stopper and Arsenal aren't necessarily tremendously tight they're not one of these teams that severely limit their opposition to shots so he could potentially just dabble and dip his toes in that sweet spot that we usually prefer to have a 4.5 in where you get a balance of clean sheet saves bonus all that sort of stuff he has that potential doesn't he and at five million is a lot more attractive yeah, I think, well, again, I'm buying on about price points here, but I think my preference in FPL has always been a 4.5 million goalkeeper. But the problem in game week one is it's it's impossible to know which one is going to be, you know, the Emmy Martinez of seasons gone by, the David Reyes, you know, the Tom Heatons. And if you go for a Ramsdale, you know, first three or four game weeks when the fixtures are good, you just buy yourself a bit of time. And, and you know, maybe that goalkeeper... Maybe the 4.5 hasn't emerged by the first three or four game weeks, but some of them might be showing signs in terms of making saves, bonus points and all that kind of stuff. And maybe by the time you get to your first wild card, if that is around game week four, five, six, you can make the switch then quite easily from Ramsdale. Or if you're more open than me to making goalkeeper transfers during the season, again, if if a 4.5 million does emerge and they quickly go to 4.6, 4.7, you know, it's hard to switch from, like if you go for Pickford, but it turns out that Leno's the, the guy to have and he goes up to 4.6, you might be a bit short of making a, a direct switch where if you've got a Ramsdale at 5 million, you know, it's quite easy to drop down to that, you know, goalkeeper of choice. So again, just feel like it's a nice price point, good fixtures, good team. Probably not going to overthink it with Ramsdale. The only reason he won't make it is if I'm, you know, not completely happy with the rest of my, you know, my outfield players. If I'm 0.5 million short for an upgrade that I really want to make, for example, Bruno versus Rashford, then maybe I will just settle for a for a Pickford or someone like that at 4.5. But I really want to try and make Ramsdale work for game week one. Yeah, that's, that's definitely worth thinking about um, when you as I said, when you look at those fixtures and if you're going to play those at the start of the season, then yeah, maybe even double Arsenal defence is, is the way to go. I suppose the one thing we can be fairly confident of is that we're probably not going to be sat with a pair of four million goalkeepers anymore. So we're probably all going to be a little bit more flexible in what we can do in that position this year. Thankfully, we don't have to go through the pain again. <laughs> Although, well, actually, it's entirely possible that we we might get tempted by it just because I've noticed there's a number of teams where there's like a series of four million goalkeepers alongside a more expensive one who there's doubts over. The The most interesting one, I suppose, is probably Wolves because Saar had a very poor end to the season and then all the alternatives are all four million. So if he does lose his place, which is possible could happen there i'm pretty sure that um we've got well we've got henderson actually sorry at 4.5 and we've got heaton at 4 million i think at man united so there is the possibility there's a lot of goalkeeper shenanigans going on in this transfer window um those of us in the fleck republic are all about that and we're just avidly waiting for david rea to leave um the goalkeeper situation could be very different in a couple of weeks time potentially do you reckon 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a bit of a mess. Uh, probably more so than ever at this stage of the season. You know, are Manchester United going to sign Onana, stuff like that? What's happened with De Gea? Who's going to be the starting goalkeeper for Tottenham? It's all a bit up in the air. You know, will Kepa still be number one? So I think we need, we just need to give it another couple of weeks for the goalkeeper position. But again, saying all that just makes Ramsdale feel like a pretty, pretty safe choice to begin with. That's a good point. That does bring us back round to someone who is like a decent price, absolutely nailed on number one, good defensive fixtures. Yeah, that could be could be the way to go, and and very much ties in with your your general playing style of just patience, which is is something that a lot of people really obviously relate to. Um, and I'm I'm guessing no change on that front this season, no uh, crazy decisions going into game one or big hits here and there. You're still pretty set on the the general way. Yeah, again, I think every preseason I've got there's some part of me deep down inside me that says, "Mark, come on, just for one <laughs> season, go go nuts, go nuts, take the shackles off, go nuts. Who cares if you have a bad season?" But um, no, it's I mean. It's it's working. It's worked for I think I think nine of the last ten seasons. It's top fifty k. So when you've got, I always think if I'm a if I was a Premier League manager and if my team was performing well every season, is there any need to change up my tactics uh, and my play style? I don't think so. So it's not the most exciting, but you know, green arrows are exciting. Good ranks are exciting. So yeah, it's going to be more of the same FPL general play style: patient, boring, sensible, <laughs> and hopefully by the end of the season. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, with maybe four or five game weeks to go, we're in a very, very good position. And then we can take the shackles off and really go for go for broke and, and have no regrets. But yeah, we'll come back to that, you know, after game week 30. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose in a way, it's very thematic as well. You know, you're a man who's got these these urges at the back of his mind to do something very maverick and maybe shake things up. But then the discipline and the military um, style of, of just patient control comes in. And just sorts you out. As, as I said, very thematic. So you, you clearly to, picked uh, a good mantle for your, your FPL persona. Need to stay on brand. <laughs> exactly. I won't ask you to, to salute just yet. We might we might get you to do that later on in the campaign. But yeah, at least for now, the general is in the house and he is very much here to uh, control the territory and move forward at a steady, sensible uh, pace for the rest of the campaign. Before we let anybody go anywhere else, I do just need to advertise uh, Fantasy Football Scout members area, which is going to be very, very helpful for you this season. Um, the season ticket, which we keep putting on the screen, uh, is going to be a very useful tool for you this year and a good way, actually, to be honest, of playing the general play style of, of following those fixtures uh, and making sure that you're making transfers at the right time. We've got tons of comparison tables as well. We've got the Rate My Team tours, all sorts of stuff there. Head to fantasyfootballscout.co.uk, go to Members Benefits and click the package that is right uh, for you. Don't also forget to to, uh, like this video and subscribe to the Fantasy Football Scout YouTube channel and hit that bell notification as well. We're going to have tons of team reveals over the next couple of weeks, all sorts of uh, detailed analysis, including who are the best 4 million defenders, best Arsenal attackers, all of those 50-50s or dice rolls that you've got to make, you know, because it's not really a 50-50 if there's four Arsenal attackers you've got to choose from. So we're going to have a look at that in more detail as well. So make sure you uh, hit that bell notification so you don't miss a thing. Well, with that, uh, thank you very much for joining us, Mark. Hope you've had a good uh, good time being here. It must be good being back. Yeah, my pleasure, David. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's you know what, it's been been really fun to actually chat about about gaming one squad and stuff like that and all the different. It's got my juices flowing big time, so I want to just go now and rip up this draft and, and make a new <laughs> one. So, yeah, looking forward to tinkering over the next couple of weeks. And like I said, looking forward to a few more videos in the near future. Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, yeah, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Thank you very much also for telling us you're going to tear up your team because we might be able to do another team reveal video with you in a couple of weeks' time. So absolutely, always, always good from an edit editorial perspective. But yeah, with that, I will leave you fine folks to enjoy the rest of your tinkering and we will see you next time. <laughs>